get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, back at it the second time this week on the MMA side of the State of Combat Podcast. The best theme song in all of audio game in front of you. It's your boy BC. I got the Hall of Famer next to me, Sugar Rashad Evans. We will set the stage for Saturday's must-see UFC Fight Night card from Las Vegas. Dan Hooker, Dustin Poirier, lightweight main event to die for. And don't you believe we got some big-name guests for you today as well. Uh, How about an interview with Dustin Poirier? How about one with Dan Hooker? And how about one with the platinum maniac himself, Mike Perry? Spoiler alert, sends your boy BC to hell. You will not want to miss this. Wow. But uh, until then, uh, it is me, BC, in your ear hole. Sugar Rashad Evans in the house. Rashad, our second stop on the MMA tour this week. How you feeling, brother? I feel good, man, especially hearing that you and Mike Perry got into it, man. I'm mad I missed it. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like the next time we're in the same building, Rashad, but uh, he did say multiple times that he will knock me and anyone else <laughs> out, okay? you know. Why are you bringing me into it, PC? Why are you pulling me into it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, great card to look ahead to, uh, of course, Rashad. Uh, one of the big stories I did want to start off right off the top. One of the big stories this week that we talked about was the the controversy of last Saturday's stoppage in that opening bout of, uh, involving Max Roscoff, his coach, Robert Drysdale. I don't know if you saw it, but Max did an interview with MMA Fighting yesterday in which he backed up Coach Drysdale top to bottom and said, that's why I pay the man to be in my corner. He said, this is a guy who took me into his house when I had nowhere to live. This is a guy who was willing to train me when I had no money. So you're seeing, Rashad, this is very much a father-son relationship. And it was interesting to to see Max come out and basically say, hey, everybody, stop villainizing this man. That's what he was supposed to do. Yeah, and it goes back to what you're saying. You know, they had that father and son relationship. And as you said before, uh, uh, the other day, when you were talking about fathers who coach their sons in boxing they have the will to keep pushing them and you kind of seen that it was kind of like that father and son push like he knows that what he has in him like they had the conversation like, like the conversation still fresh in his mind like you know what he wants to do as far as pushing himself to the next level and if i'm your boy and i've heard you night after night talking about you want to be on this level and you'll give anything for it if i see you in the trenches and you're doubting yourself i'm going to give you that extra push when you don't think you have it yeah, absolutely. And uh, I do think that Robert Drysdale, he's done it, does deserve, uh, at least for the whole story to be told. Because if you're only watching that 10-second clip or 30-second clip between rounds, of course, when you're watching that, you're like, what is this guy on a suicide mission? But when you know the larger story, it does change some things there. Though Hopefully Max can bounce back and still have the kind of career that he's shown big potential for. Uh, Rashad, you also had a nice little sit-down with maybe the future welterweight champion, Gilbert Burns, ahead of that UFC 251 Fight Island main event against Kamaru. We're going to hear that chat in full as we get closer to the fight. But any little tease? Can you, can you, can you touch the back? Can you tickle the rim a little bit for us? It was a good interview. Uh, you know, he... Um... He, he definitely, uh, you know, expressed himself a lot of where he's coming from and, and how things broke down as far as him getting to train at the gym and Kamaru leaving the gym. 
but also broke down, you know, where he was at in his mindset, you know, uh, broke down his mental preparation and everything. And it really surprised me where he was coming from on a mental aspect. But this is a guy who's focused in, in, in Gilbert Burns. You know, I watched this guy come up from when he first came to the gym under Vitor Belfort as Vitor Belfort's jiu-jitsu coach to be now one of the top 10 contenders. I mean, now the top contender in his weight class and a weight class he didn't originally start in. And, um, you know, why, I mean, it's crazy because both of these guys are, are were, were part of the old Black Zillions, you know, uh, myself and Glenn Robinson. And both these guys were, you know, part of Glenn Robinson. He believed in both of these guys. And now I, I, I just wonder what he would be thinking right now seeing both these guys in a position and fighting for the title. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen some back and forth between both Gilbert and the likes of Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal all about you only got this fight because you were willing to take less money. And I know Gilbert did respond to that in your interview. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But Rashad, we've talked about it during this quarantine. Like there's an opening for opportunistic men right now there. You can be the guy complaining about the fight salaries and not, you know, being willing to take less. And we have no problem with that because, you know, it is what it is in terms of that. But there's also openings for guys like Justin Gaethje to slide in there and take out Tony Ferguson and suddenly get a title shot. Uh, Gilbert's taking advantage of that right now. Yeah, I mean, this this whole opportunity, this whole uh, competing with, with the whole situation with COVID is coming out to who's going to be the guy uh, most uh, ready to go in there and seize the opportunity. Um, and, and right now, the way things are shaking out is you got to see those opportunities because – you know, traveling is hard to get to where you need to get to with, with um, you know, with this whole situation breaking out. So it's all the people who are in the, the best opportunity to fight. You got to stay busy. You know, you've seen uh, Roosevelt Roberts fight third, his fourth, third time. And this will be Gilbert's third fight already this year. So these guys who are in a position, you got to keep yourself busy because you don't know when everything's going to shut down again. Yeah, Gilbert will become the first uh, UFC fighter to fight three times in the empty arena quarantine setting since this all went down in March, since he was on that original Brasilia card right there. Uh, Rashad, we will take a quick pause for the cause. We got a lot coming this show. Hooker, Poirier, preview of this weekend. But after the break, we're going to hear from Mike Perry, the platinum one himself. He's in the co-main event on Saturday against Mickey Call, and it's about to get wild up in here coming at you right now. Enjoy. Platinum Mike What's Perry, up, CBS? The best quote in mixed martial arts, all right? It's the truth. You got to deal with it, Mike, all right? You are what you are, okay? Somebody going to bleed? Somebody's going to bleed on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Mike Perry, big fight against Mickey Gall. Co-main event status. Las Vegas. You basically built this guy up to be a chump. You call this an easy fight. Why? Because that's how they all supposed to be. And you get to overthinking and you cloud your judgment. Do you have respect for Mickey Gall, the man? No, I don't got respect for no man. Then all y'all act like bitches. Now, when you say all y'all, do you mean us journalists or us men? Every guy out there seems to act like a bitch at some point until a motherfucker puts him in their place. Why is Mike Perry different? 
Why is what? Why is Mike Perry what? Different. Why are you just cut from a different cloth compared to guys like me? Because I'll beat your ass. That's why. You run your mouth, I'll beat your ass. You're a journalist. You ain't going to do shit to me. I'll punch you in the mouth and get away with it. That's fair. That is that is the truth fact. That's a true fact. Uh, did you like it when Mickey Gall said, I can't get too mad at the guy. I'm a low-key Mike Perry fan. You said, did that make me mad? Did that did that make it easy, uh, harder to hate the guy? No, man, because he was just talking shit about me on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, he was talking about fuck Mike Perry this and fuck Mike Perry that. Now his his blood's on the dotted line, and he's fucking scared. And so he's trying to be friendly. I hear you. Uh, Mike Perry, journalists like to put uh, narratives on fights. So uh, if you read a journalist saying that this was a must-win fight for Mike Perry, what would be your reaction? It's how it is every time. It's always a must-win. I just, I guess... I guess I haven't cared about the win before. This is like a new life, a new start. I'm six and six in the UFC, and it's like my debut all over again with a whole new mindset. But it's it's so much of the old mindset. I had it right when I got here, and I let I let the the attention and um, the the fans cause cause me to miss the bigger picture, which was me and myself. Ooh, boy, we down, down to 179. Let's go. Uh, what, what changed Mike? Let's check my way. I just, I just finished up a run when you got on the line with me. Love it. Love it. Uh, what changed recently to, to unlock? My Mike? bad. How do you, how did you unlock the Mike Perry of old? How did I unlock the what? You said, you know, you're kind of going through a rebirth here. So what what changed to bring out that same Mike Perry who originally came into the UFC? Shit. My girlfriend. New motivation. That, the best motivation. The motivation I've been looking for my whole life. What does a guy fight for? Because uh, deep down, the animalistic features that we have Say, if I can beat that guy, if I can bite his neck before he bites mine, I get to take the pretty girl home. Uh, this has become a, a, a celebrated love story in the MMA community, Mike. I saw your tweet the other day that said, quote, my girl motivated me years before I even met her. I knew she was coming one day. Can you expand on what you mean by that? I mean, I always had this image uh this image of her in my head and i, I knew you know me i knew who i was going to meet one day um and i knew who i wanted in my life and and i wouldn't say that it's a the mma community love story this is my love story and y'all want to butt in this is my love story y'all can't have it this is me and Latori's, and y'all just uh get to view it and I mean, you can say what you want. I can't stop people from talking. But if you talk to if you talk that shit to me in person, please believe it's going to be a different story. Some construction worker almost got these hands just now after I ran four miles in the desert. He want to walk up like he going to do something. And then he was pussy the whole time. He wasn't trying to do shit. 
Uh, I love it. Well, hard has his dumb ass. Mike Perry, you're the real. This ain't an act. This is the real. In fact, I saw some video a couple uh, couple weeks ago on Instagram of you sending a fool to hell on a sidewalk. What's that? What happened there? Send oh um left hook from hell. That was, wild. That, was um, that was New Year's, bro, and he hit me first in the face, and I I dropped his ass. That, he thought he was just going to walk up on me and say and do what he wanted. And he found out the hard way. Please believe if you, if you think that talking shit is, is safe, please believe that I will say something back that will make you overstep your boundaries. I can make you touch me. And if you touch me, I'm going to fucking end your life. This is this is uh this is this is great advertising for Saturday's fight, Mike. You got me fired up here. Um, I wanted to ask you this though. Uh, it's your love story. It's not ours, but we're watching it play out on social media. Where did you meet the lovely Latori? Where did this start? Shit, Johnny Bones Jones. I went to go to the. I went to go hang out at a bar with John Jones, and I walked in, and she was standing right there. And uh, he kind of brought us together. Wow. Wow. Is John Jones the real, too, underneath it all? He's the real. He's Mike Perry cloth, right? I mean, he's John Jones. I'm Mike Perry. All right. All right. Um, so here's the deal, Mike. You made some headlines when you said uh, your girl is going to not only kind of train you, but be that only voice in your corner on Saturday night. Uh, Mickey Gall got word of that. He told MMA Junkie, I don't think it's a very bright idea, but I don't think Mike Perry is the brightest guy, end quote. How do you respond to that ish? Well, let's see. He said smartest fighter versus dumbest fighter. Well, I think you got to be pretty damn dumb to get in there and fight. And if he don't want to accept that as the truth, well, it doesn't matter what he accepts. He's going to accept this right hand in his face. Stop it. Well, what advantages will you have with Latori in your corner that you didn't have in recent fights? Peace and quiet. And you did hear their corner. I need a bunch of fucking... Um, like, I don't, I don't ever hear nothing value, bro. Like I've been in positions in fights, you know, what, who's, who's laid on top of me. And okay. When, when Cowboy was going for the arm bar, I didn't hear nobody yell, watch for that arm bar. Um, maybe I'm not listening or something, but I just don't feel like, okay. If 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 I ain't gonna listen anyways, why the fuck should they be here and get any credit? What the fuck do they do for me to get a front row seat to one of the best shows on the fucking planet Earth? It's a platinum Mike Perry fight, bro. And there's one person on this planet that deserves that opportunity for that front row seat. And that's the most beautiful thing that I ever saw is my girl, Latori Gonzalez. Uh, Mike, I, I, if I overstep my boundaries here, you can you can hit me with that left hook. But what was the pickup line that made that sealed the deal when you and John Jones walked into the bar? What did what did you deliver? So, so I walked in and John Jones saw me and he smiled and he looked to his right and he saw Latori 
and he grabbed her hand and he grabbed my hand. He might have grabbed mine first. It, it makes me feel better. I think he grabbed my hand first, and then he grabbed hers. And then he brought our hands together, and I picked her up and gave her a hug. Said, uh, let's get out of here. Wow. Wow. All right. Hey, some guys have all the luck. You know what I'm saying? Mike Perry's the real. Uh, Mike, I saw quotes from Frank Lester and Diego Sanchez saying, you parting ways with the Platinum Princess could be the best thing to ever happen to your career. Do you agree with that? Um, who? Frank Lester and who Diego said what Sanchez. about my life? Who said what about my life is the best thing for what? You parting ways with the platinum. It sounds like you agree with that, bro. I don't know your life. I'm the guy that asked you the questions. Well, then why are you asking questions about my life? Talking about this person said this, this person said that. I don't fucking know nobody. Nobody knows me. That's for damn sure. I don't know why people talking to me about other people saying things about my life. What kind of question is that? Get your own life. You don't want to fucking talk to me about mine. Why do you give a fuck? Because you're a journalist. You don't get paid for this shit. What are you doing with your life? Fuck you, bro. Goodbye, CBS. Oh, wow. Just like that, Rashad. Click. The interview is over. Should I be looking over my shoulder from here on out? I think so, man. I think so. Listen, it sounded like you got him to that place where uh, he's just you know, logic goes out the window. And I hope I'm with you. All I can say, BC, I hope I'm with you if it ever comes down to that because I don't want you to catch that kind of heat, man. But uh, it, listen, here's the thing, though. You are able to, to, to hit those kind of emotions and get that response. Going into a fight where, where, you, where you're, um, you need to be a little bit more emotionally composed, you can't get pulled out by the journalist. If the journalist had the ability to pull you out, that means that you're emotionally all over the place. I mean, listen, granted, you can play the act, but for the most part, Perry's not playing the act. He's fully emotionally engaged on all circuits, and that's the part that makes me think this could be a dangerous situation for him going into a fight, being so emotionally charged, just by you, BC, just uh, by you. By this guy right here. Wow. Unfortunately, this is a growing trend on State of Combat, as both Tyson Fury and Jamal Charlo in the past year have sent me to the same deep, dark depth. <laughs> this time it was different, though. Uh, look, you know, I know I was asking touchy questions, but you're right. Perry seems ready to go off on everyone. And to be honest with you, Rashad, that's part of the package. That's why we love this guy. And I, I'm standing here right now saying, I love this man. He's a wild interview. He throws hands in the cage. And he is liable to fight anyone at any time. I mean, that interview was only 10 minutes. We didn't even get into the fact that he's fighting with Darren Till on Twitter every day. And he says, if I see that man in person in the street, it's on. He's getting these hands. I mean, he almost beat up the construction worker a minute before that interview. He's knocking dudes out in bathrooms and in clubs. Uh, it is what it is right there. But let's focus on his situation entering this fight. Because as much as he doesn't want to talk about the ending of his marriage with the Platinum Princess, and some of the finer details of the relationship with his new girlfriend. And by the way, as much as I have the right to ask those questions, he has the right to say F you. Believe me, it's, a, it's, a, it's his personal life. Unfortunately, right now for him, Rashad, his personal life is also his professional life when he's going to tell the rest of his corner basically to stay home, and he's going to be trained and have one person, one voice in that corner on fight night and it is his girlfriend, Latori Gonzalez. 
Uh, he has straight up admitted, Rashad, in separate interviews, you know, he says she's got some boxing and amateur wrestling background, but he's saying, I don't need her knowledge. I need her peace and quiet so I can listen to the other corner, so I can focus, so I can get victory. Uh, this is as weird a decision we'd seen in a long time. We used to see a uh, boxing cruiserweight champion, Beba Shumanov, train himself. He would have a cut man, but he would train himself. I've never seen someone go, yeah, F my team. I need my girl in that corner. I'll tell you what, man, and um, I, I've never seen it. Uh, I've never even heard of it. I never even thought that someone would even do something like that. But, um, you know, Mike Perry's a wild card, and uh, he's been able to make it so far and, and etch a place in all of our hearts, no matter where you stand on a Mike Perry fence, you feel him in some kind of sort of way. You know what I'm saying? I was not the biggest Mike Perry fan in the beginning, but somehow, some way, I became one of the biggest fans. I love Mike Perry. But this this is a crazy this is a crazy move because – um, you know, w- when you're in the trenches and, and when you fight like Mike Perry does, when, you, when you're not afraid to go to that dark place, you need to be able to have somebody on the other end with a flashlight to be able to say, hey, come over here. I know it's dark, but keep following the light. And you're not going to be able to see the light. You're not going to be able to follow that that and, and someone who's not coherent and does not know the, the ins and outs of every different transition and every different nuance of the fight. And, and I feel like, you know, him wanting to have his girl there, that's cool, and it's good to have the shock value of it all, but you also got to remember that you're, you're standing in the cage with somebody who's very capable, somebody who's been training, and somebody who's, who, who sees you as an opportunity. And um, the, the cage is not a place to play around. And, you know, going against a guy like Mickey Hall, he's not – Mickey Gall, he's not a, um, a great striker by any means, but he can, you know, get you in some positions – and uh, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't know where Mike. Well, I'm, he, Mike is all over the place. And when you when you go through a divorce and when you go through that whole kind of uh, separation from a partner, it it, it kind of throws you in a different path, and people react in different kind of ways. And I think this is what we're seeing right now is just Mike Perry is just having an emotional reaction to his divorce. Yeah, and I'm certainly sensitive to that, despite the, the angles of the questions. And uh, it's not the first time he's had his loved one in the corner, his ex-wife, the Platinum Princess, Danielle Nickerson, pro tennis player, had been a regular as his sparring partner in public workouts and one of his corner men, not the only one. So this is going to be interesting for Mike Perry heading into this weekend. He did say some sort of uh, sane things in the midst of that, Rashad, one of them being that, he sees this as a rebirth. He's six and six in the UFC, but he feels like he's got the mindset that he had back ahead of his 2016 debut. He recaptured that. And I, you know, asked, what does that really mean? Basically, he says, fame, the fans, the pressure kind of changed it. I mean, I'm sure, you know, going through a relationship changed certain things. He's putting all the credit on his new girl, who he claims he worships at the throne of and prays to. He tweeted out that he prays to her. She's his god, Rashad. Oh my gosh! See that 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 right there is is foolishness. And you know what that is? That's him trying to uh, stick it to his old, his ex a little bit, you know, because he knows that she's following. He knows that that was her spot, and he knows how much that spot meant to her. So I think this is a, a dig in to her. Um, but I, I mean, for the most part, you're going, you're doing a fight. And if he's giving this kind of emotional energy 
to just that whole situation. That means he's not coming in here focused on, on the craft that he has in front of him. And, and not for nothing, not for nothing. And I say this with no disrespect, but thank God he got Mickey Gall in front of him. And I say, I say, that, I say that with no disrespect because, listen, Mickey Gall is tough. Mickey Gall is getting better every single fight. But we know Mickey Gall, Mickey Gall is not a dog on his feet. Mickey Gall is not going is to separate you from consciousness. Mickey Gall is going to get a submission, but he's not going to do anything that's going to – he ain't going to beat nobody the brakes off anybody with the hands. It's not going to happen. Mickey Gall is going to give you weird sound bites too. I think that boy's corny. I want a bunch of spikes out of his hair. Thank you. Uh, Rashad, can you comment on John Jones, the matchmaker? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll fight. No more dickheads. Right? Uh, apparently, John set up. Uh, Mike and Latori, and you heard the story there. Mike walked in. John put their hands together. He picked her up in his arms and left. And that's the uh, you know that the rest is history. Rashad, I mean that that that's as cavemanish as you get. That is that is Ayla. Mm, mm, that that's that's caveman behavior. But <laughs> if you look like him and you have that swag and that aura, just but, I mean. You know, shout out to John Jones, or did he ever set you up with the love of your life? No, he, he did it. He did it. He did it. But that, that is a great pickup line. I mean, just come and just grab the girl's hand and walk out the bar. You got to be careful nowadays. Nowadays, that's, that can get you in trouble. But uh, it worked out for Mike. <laughs> he lives by a different code. Hey, look, if I had to predict the question that would get him to, to attack me, I thought it would be the 2% black question. You know, his, his allowance of using the N-word. We didn't oh, have my gosh. oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Even got there. Did I not know I'm half black? Oh boy. <laughs> I'm half black from the belly button down. All right, all right. Enough of that. Enough of that, indeed. Uh, look, Rashad, this is going to be an interesting fight, and for Mike Perry, uh, fresh off of what is it? Is it th- a three fight lose? It's a it's a two fight losing skin. He's lost three of his last four. The losses have come to good competition: Cowboy Cerrone, Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal, who's who's one of the rising potential stars in the division. Although, did you see that headline? Jeff Neal had to go back to uh, waiting tables, Rashad, during this quarantine to try to to try to uh, keep the fight game on track. Uh, that's the wow. of the situation. But uh, Mike Perry, having lost three or four, six and six in the cage, is this a must win? against a still-growing and developing Mickey Gall, in your eyes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, the UFC has definitely given him a break as far as the strength of the competition, but at the same time, now it's a kind of break where he can't afford to fail this test. You know, he can't afford to fail this test, or now he starts to look on the back end of just being, you know, someone's on the later half of the the preliminary card and just, you know, uh, one or two fights from being out of the UFC. Um you know, and, and here's a fight because at this point they're going to be able to tell had they squeezed all the juice as they can out of out of out of a Mike Perry. You know, and and this is going to be the moment. Does his career go down or do, does it go up? And my my, I mean, Mickey Gall is a great test for that because he's decent on the ground, and it kind of it kind of um, gives Perry a chance to show if he's improved on the areas in which he has shown struggling, which is on the ground, but then it also gives him a chance to shine in an area where he has been, you know, been, been shining, but, but being outshined by guys who's just a little bit better at striking. So now it gives him an opportunity to go out there and prove that he has learned what he needs to with the guys who are better on the ground, but at the same time, get a knockout on the feet and look impressed with doing it. But yeah. then you have Mickey Gall on the other hand, who's, 
you know, who's, who's coming in and looking to just show that he belongs on his platform in general. Yeah, I mean, Cole's been through an interesting career. We had the whole CM Punk chapter. You know, he destroyed Sage Northcott. We're like, man, this guy is a future player in the top 10 and then lost us to both Randy Brown and then that bad TKO stoppage loss to Diego Sanchez in which, you know, uh, he basically says it's a weight cut issue. I don't know. You know, he came back with a win against a guy you never heard of. Now is the time to step up. This would be a very big win for both, especially for Mickey Gall there. But I agree with you. If Mike Perry loses three in a row, He's going to get, you know, low money and stuffed into some undercards in the future. This is a nice close-up opportunity uh, to, to capitalize on, his, on what he is. He's, a, he's an attraction without question. He can yeah. fight. He can fight too, but he's an attraction. He's got to get that fighting level up to where his I got to see this crazy freak show level is. But shout out to the platinum one right there. All right, we're going to bring on next. Uh, it's his first Really big step up to the big time. It's rising lightweight Dan Hooker, New Zealand in the house, coming at you right now. Yeah, dig it. Dan Hooker, maybe, maybe, Dan, the brightest rocket ship in the lightweight division. How you doing, my man? I'm doing very well. I'm happy, I'm happy to be stateside. Yeah, tell what, what was your journey like? This is not a norm. This is not a normal training camp or trip heading into this fight. No, it's um, it's been incredibly unusual. I would have to say, um, you know, I didn't get a visa confirmed until you know three days before I flew over here. Um, so it was all it was all up in the air. It was all you know a lot of questions going on behind the scenes, but it all happened. Um, interesting traveling over, you know, uh, everything shut down at the airport. The gate was even closed. There was only two flights out that day, um, from New Zealand. So very, very interesting. Uh, you know, you could call this, I think you might, the biggest opportunity, the biggest fight of your career. Uh, did you get the training camp that, that you, you would have wanted given all things going with the quarantine? I'm definitely confident in my training camp. Um, you know, all through all through the restrictions, all through the lockdowns, I stayed focused on this fight. I stayed focused on on this opponent, um, and I, I did whatever I could to get in the most shape. You know, under under the circumstances, at no time did I um, take my foot off the pedal and and relax and have a break. Um, this fight was was always on my mind, so it's it's everything's come well. You know, I, I was and strong through lockdown and then once all the gyms open back up um, we've been back to normal for the last um, the last four or five weeks of training so yeah I'm definitely confident uh, simply put what's at stake for you and your career in this fight uh, opportunity to, to make my way towards the title you know this puts me um, next in line Gagey versus Khabib is set um, for the end of the year, August, September. And this, uh, you know, if one of those guys gets injured, I'm definitely putting my hand up to, to slide into that spot. Uh, how do you think you match up against Dustin Poirier? And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you sort of, uh, your opinion of him as a fighter at this point in his career? Uh, oh, man, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of respect for his ability. I see a lot of similarities in our, in our approach, um, to the sport, how 
Um, you know, we never let anything deter us for very long. And, and, you know, some of the best moments of our careers, our best streaks of our careers come after losses, you know, that, that, that seems to motivate us like nothing else. Um, you know, very well-rounded, one of the most well-rounded I've fought, good boxing, good wrestling, um, solid ground game. So it, it's going to be an incredibly tough challenge. Uh, when you look at this fight and you look at the X's and O's, uh, you know, is there anything that separates you two? Because you sort of nailed it. it. It's it's almost like looking in a mirror. Two complete fighters, you know, about the same size, almost the same age, a little bit more obviously experience for Dustin having started earlier. But what is the difference between your skills? Uh, I think... I'm just a little a little sharper on the feet, you know. There's a lot of areas where he's um, probably feels he has he has the advantage, but I feel like I just have a little more um, understanding and just a little a little sharper in the striking. That's fair. That is fair enough. Uh, you took that loss against Edson Barbosa and bounced back, obviously in such a uh, tremendous way, and that's why you're here where you are entering this fight. But you talk about, uh, you know, going through the fire in that fight. You you had to take on heavy damage, and you had to teach us all what you were made of. What did you learn about yourself in that experience? Me? I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I didn't learn anything I didn't already know. <laughs> yeah. I learned. I learned. I'm not made of. I'm not made of jelly beans. I learned. I don't melt. Um, <laughs> I know those are things I know. Like I've been in tough spots before in my career. It's just funny that that no one was watching, so they, they don't get brought up. But um, yeah, it's part and parcel with with my approach to the sport. Uh, how do you sort of describe this division and the killers in it? I, I've gone as far as saying, like, you know, this might be the deepest group of top level fighters in a top ten that UFC has ever seen. Uh, is, is that something you'd agree with? I would have to agree. I would have to agree. If you're looking at any division as a whole, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of very dangerous fighters and a lot of interesting threats. But you know that's that's why I'm I'm excited to be here. You know I wouldn't have it any other way. If you're going to be the number one in the world, if you're going to be the champion of the world, um, I would want it to be in in the toughest pool of talent. Who is your opinion right now besides yourself that that is the guy? I mean, I guess that's the safest way of saying who do you think wins uh, Habib versus Justin Gaethje coming up later this year? Uh, I think that's a, that's an interesting contest. Um, I feel like that's uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna put together a fighter that's gonna give Khabib a, a tough challenge. It's gonna be you know a, a very strong defensive wrestler. With good cardio and, and knockout power, you know, and that that's describing um, Justin Gagey. So that that contest stylistically um, is going to be very interesting. I would say it's um, a close to even matchup. Uh, what is in the water down at City Kickboxing? Because it's the gym of the moment in terms of everybody talking about innovations and and elite championship level fighters jumping out one after another. Now, if you hear a guy is from there, you, you sort of go, oh, okay, I, I know what I'm going to expect here. Uh, what's the, what's the secret sauce down there? 
the secret the secret is there's no secrets that's uh <laughs> we just uh work very hard and and uh surrounded by a great team of coaches if you're going to put it down to anything it would have to be um the team of coaches that we have on place down there uh, how much have you benefited from the idea of, you know, Iron Sharpens Iron being around such, uh, you know, guys, Israel, uh, uh, you know, Volkanovsky, who've made such big rises in recent years to, to, to have some of that mentality and the, and the sparring and all that rub off? Um, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, puts it within arm's reach when you have two, two, teammates that are world title holders um it definitely it's no longer um an idea or it's no longer a dream um it's more yeah it's just real to me now i see those belts in the gym i see them on the wall i see them carrying them around and it you know it makes it um very attainable for me so it's, it's something that i feel like um i almost have to get yeah, I can understand that. That's got to be great motivation. And you're obviously not far away from getting your chance. So uh, who do you think gets offered to the winner of this fight? How close could you be? I mentioned You mentioned earlier in the interview sort of, you know, you never know now. You can wait by the phone and you can get that call after Habib and Justin fights. But uh, do you think there's an opponent that would be offered to the winner of Saturday's matchup specifically? I'm definitely I'm definitely open to it, but it's a it's a funny um, funny position I'm in in this fight in that it doesn't it doesn't make sense for me to call anyone out. Correct correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. It doesn't make sense to go out there and call out um, Tony Ferguson, who's coming off a loss and seems to need some time to damage, or call out Conor McGregor, who's sitting on the sidelines. Um, and and seems to be retired. I feel like I've definitely put myself next in line for the title. But if someone else, one of those guys, wants to call me out and say my name, um, I would hundred percent accept their challenge. All right, all right. Uh, I've noticed. Look, you mentioned earlier about you know you've been through some tough moments. Maybe people didn't see them. I've never seen you before be a heavy trash talk guy, be a, a guy who trades words. It may be I just missed it, but ahead of this fight, I feel like I've seen more headlines of that than ever before. Uh, is this just a new time in your career, or is that who Dan Hooker is? Uh, I wouldn't say uh, more. I, I've, I've been real um, throughout my career. It's just that's just my honest opinion. I feel like people were just paying more attention to it. I feel like I'm saying the same stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I just feel like I'm saying the same things. I'm being genuine to my character, and and people were people were just paying more attention. That's the only thing that's changed. All right, all right. Do you, do you consider yourself a good trash talker? Good. Um, well, I don't try to talk. Crash. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do anything. Like when I when I say something, that's I'm just sharing my intention. Like if I say if I say to Dustin, I'm going to smash your face, and that's not that's not trash. Like what about that is um, a lie? What about that is something uh, that I have made up? I'm going to try and smash his face. In. That's that's my intention. 
I'm just sharing my honest intention. So I feel like it's there's a difference between trash talk and then, yeah, I feel like if you're being honest and true to your character, then it's um, no longer, yeah, just, just trash talk for the sake of, of causing um, a stir. Fair. That's fair. Uh, you got into a little bit of hot water. I don't know what is hot water anymore. People were unhappy with the tweet you had put out following Max Roscoff's loss last week. Uh, do you have any explanation for that? Uh, you deleting it afterwards? The explanation? Oh, people were just making a, a big deal out of nothing. Like, it's... Um, being called a marshmallow. If that um, if that hurts your feelings, then I don't think I'm not too sure that this is the sport for you. I don't. You know, the funniest one is people. I had a lot of messages of people being like, "I'm a huge fan, but like you're a dick, pretty much." And that that translates to, I like how you physically harm people and inflict damage. But when you're a little bit mean to someone, um, that crosses the line for me, which is it, it's funny to me. So I don't know. I don't know what people are getting so upset about. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's a, when you frame it that way, I can totally see what you're talking about. Uh, is there any part of your game that you're feeling like you're not getting the respect for as, as we now start to compare you to this killer top other members of the top five in this division? Um, I'm not too, I'm not too fussed about that. Um, how people want to see you, you, you don't want to, you don't want people to know where you're dangerous and why you're dangerous. That shouldn't be, that's something that you just need to prove. Um, you can talk the talk, you can say what you want to say, but you have to back it up in the cage. And so, um, I'm more focused on that. People, people can make what they want of the, the results in the octagon. What was your opinion of uh, Dustin's uh, performance against Habib when he did have the title shot last year? Uh, so I didn't actually watch that fight. Um, that's not one of the fights that, that I watched. So well, obviously watched it at the time, um, but it's not a fight that I I went back. I went back and studied. This is the game. This is the sport we play. It's good my good nights and bad nights. Um, but you can. You know, the quicker you pick yourself back up, the quicker you can get back on track to um, achieving the things you want to achieve. So, you know, I'm expecting a hungry, motivated Dustin from that fight. Fair enough. Uh, finally, as we enter into this, uh, you know, I asked you what separate the skills between you and Dustin, but I want to know what sort of separates you from the other guys. From the other elites, uh, you know, is it your background? Is it your hunger? What What is, you know, sort of what what makes Dan Hooker uh, uh, special from the idea that you could best a Habib, you could beat a Connor, a Tony? Uh, what's different about you on the inside? What's special? What's different? Uh, it would be it would be that I know I'm I know I'm human. I'm not. I know I'm not special. I know, I know nothing separates me from those guys, which in turn means nothing separates those guys from me. 
and that's the, that's the only reason why I'm here. That's the only reason why I, I come from a very small place in the tiny corner of the world, um, and I'm now here in in the most stacked division in the world with the biggest names in the sport is because I don't put them on a pedestal. I don't um, look at these guys as larger than life. I look at these guys. I know I'm human. I know if I get cut, I bleed. I know if you grab my neck um, and squeeze hard enough, I go to sleep. These are things I know uh, in myself. So I know that with these opponents as well, even though they are huge, huge names of the sport, um, they're human like me. Um, and, and I know that nothing separates us and, and that all of these guys can be beaten. I love it. Great answer. Great interview, man. I'm expecting uh, thunder and lightning in this fight. I think this is the best fight uh, of the summer for sure. So uh, best of luck to you. Great talking to you, Dan. We're, we're gonna, we can't wait to see who's left standing after this one. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, Rashad, I can't wait to get into this main event. Dan Hooker, Dustin Poirier. I wanted to ask you one thing that Dan Hooker said. And this is kind of a new thing ahead of this fight, right? We're used to quiet, nice guy Dan Hooker lives over there on the other half of the world, comes over to this half a couple times a year. But because of the close-up on him ahead of this big fight, he's talking trash to Poirier. He's saying Justin Gaethje's a bum. He's firing ish at everyone. He's like, this is who I am. But specifically, the Max Roscoff situation, when that fight got stopped the way it did last Saturday, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but uh, – Hooker put out there that basically, you know, this guy's a marshmallow. He he moved up to the UFC and he found out he was weak. He ended up deleting that tweet under pressure. But you heard him right there basically say, like, where are we as an MMA society? How weak are we that I'm allowed to go in there and bash a guy's face in, but I can't I can't sling hate on Twitter? Like, I can't talk bad about the guy? When you present it intelligently like that, I mean, he does have a point. This is the fight game, Rashad. He does have a point, and, and, I, and I tell you what, he, he's absolutely right. I mean, listen, you know, these guys are playing a different game, meaning the fact that there's a fight inside the cage, but there's a fight outside the cage. And a lot of times that it, it's a verbal fight, it, it's just posturing, it's posing. But all those posturing and posing, it tells me, as if I'm, if I'm a fighter who's watching you do that, is okay, this guy's confident himself, but it makes it leaves a reservation in my mind. You know what I'm saying? It makes me think differently about you. It makes me think, wow, this guy may have something for me. And that may give you a mental edge. But all of that plays into the hand of of, of your fight game. It all plays into the hands of your fight game. You know, when somebody has to fight you, are they going to be emotionally charged by the things you said? An emotionally charged person is not a smart thinking person, is not a calculated person. So mistakes can happen ver- ver- thus uh, up in your chance of seizing an opportunity in that fight. So I do get the, 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 the madness behind his game because I, it's a game I used to do myself, but it's kind of, it's weird because, you know, seeing a guy like Dan Hooker and, and watching him come up, you know, he didn't seem to be that type of guy. He didn't seem to be that kind of talking crap guy, but I think it was tasting that success and having the, the, the crowd behind him and, and, and being the guy in his last fight in New Zealand, being that main event, it made him uh, carry, I guess, uh, uh, I guess bring forth a different Dan Hooker, you know, and I think this is the Dan Hooker that we're seeing right now, a more confident Dan Hooker. Yeah, and it's weird. We think of Dustin Poirier in this matchup as the older, wiser veteran fighter, and he is from the standpoint of experience and big-time fights, but 
they're just one year apart. Hooker's 30 years old. I mean, Hooker's, you know, he's a, he's a, sorry, Hooker's, Hooker's 30, Poirier's 31 only. But Hooker is finally getting to that point now where we're taking him very seriously. Seven and one since 2017. We know about the one loss to Edson Barbosa in which he took a hella beating and kept coming before being stopped to the body. But Rashad, you look at this. Knock out Jim Miller with his knee. Knocks out Gilbert Burns with punches. Knocks out James Vick. Takes decision wins over Ayakinta and Paul Felder. It, is Hooker the real? Can we put him? I mean, look, that's why this fight's happening. So we can find out if Hooker's name belongs with the Tony Ferguson's, Conor McGregor's, Habib's, Justin Gaethje's. Do you think we've seen enough to know that he may very well be the real? Hooker is a real, and and I tell you, uh, his stand up alone, it um, is definitely something to to put him uh, at a different rate and different level as everyone else in his weight class, you know. And now you see that he's getting better with his stand up, and and that's the thing that I noticed with him in his last fight with Paul Felder. The fact that you know I thought for sure it would be Paul's fight, but you've seen um, Hooker really use a different game plan, be a little bit more elusive and, and use his footwork a little bit more and work the outside and just kind of fight with a different mindset, a different game, which shows that he has the ability to just grow and adapt into whoever he's fighting and fight the perfect game plan for that fighter. So he's a smart, educated fighter and knows how to get the best out of his stand-up for, uh, for his best opponent. And not only that, he has the ability to not only stand up, but he can grapple really good. You know, he's really good inside the clinch position. He's really good on the ground and inside those in tight positions. And um, with a guy who's taller like that, it can play big dividends because he can have that, that, that long leverage strength to go for things like Kimuras and guillotines and even some leg attacks as well, too. So he definitely um, is, is well-rounded and he's coming on, but for the most part, he believes and he knows that he's good enough on his level now. Yeah, and he's shown us time and again the toughness. And I liked what he said in that final question about what, what separates him from the very best in this sport. And, and it was a very humble response. It's like, I don't look at them as monsters or heroes. You know, these guys are just other fighters. I'm not impressed by them. So, like, and he doesn't say that from a trash talk point of view. He just says it from the point of view that, you know, it's the same size cage that closes the door. We're wearing the same size glove. We're both men. Let's go figure out who's the best. And, and you know, sometimes we put a little bit too much into the, man, this guy's scary. I wonder if that guy's scared. Well, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a mixed martial arts competition. It's, it's, a, it's a technical fight, Rashad. And he keeps it that way, although he can fight. Believe that. He can fight. Uh, let's hear from Dustin Poirier, the veteran, fresh off that loss in September to Habib after really going on one of the better runs we'd seen in a long time, wins over Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, Holloway. Now he's going to have to rebuild at the very highest level once again. It's Dustin the Diamond right now. Dustin the Diamond, Poirier, fired up for Saturday night. What is your level of fire at this moment, sir? (laughs) It's uh, another fight week, cutting weight. Happy to be doing it in Vegas this time. It's been a while since I've been here, but I'm excited to be back, man. I had a, a layoff with surgery, and you know, obviously, the my last fight didn't go my way, so it's good to be back. I want to give you the forum to talk here because you were so open and honest ahead of that Habib Nurmagomedov fight, and there was such a great story being told about your perseverance throughout your life and career to get to that point. 
what about the aftermath? You know, how how hard was that to deal with, given the competitor you were to get to that level and not succeed? It sucks, man. It hurts. It's uh, but that's that's my story. That's fighting, and and you know we pick ourselves up and get back to work, and life goes on. Try to get better. Try to learn the lessons from those those fights. Uh, I've called this fight against Dan Hooker the the fight of the summer. No disrespect to DC and Stipe, but like this is like I don't the fight, know the fight what it of the costs, what I have to do. I'll get in a boat. I'll I'll get onto the fight. Whatever I have to do to see this fight, I want to see it. What were your emotions when this fight was presented to you? I was excited um, just to get a name, and obviously to get a name, uh, a date, and obviously the guys on a win streak and. Here we are at another main event. So it's good. Uh, I, I can't wait. And on five rounds, man, I just can't wait to perform. All right. Uh, it's no secret to you that this might be the deepest division at any point in UFC history. Like, this is this is all killer, and you know it better than anybody. You faced almost all of them. What's at stake in this fight on Saturday night? What's at stake is everything I've, I've worked for to, to make my name uh, at the top of the list in the lightweight division, you know? Um, I've never lost two fights in a row in my career and I don't plan on starting now. Everything's at stake when it comes to fighting for me, um, this Saturday. Uh, it's, you know, media always is always looking for an angle, always looking to sum something up, always looking to have, uh, you know, some story to tell, um, what about people that say this may be a crossroads fight for you? Not in the idea that if you lose, you're, you're never the same, but the idea that because this division is so tough, you lose two in a row, it, it could take a while to get back. Uh, you know, whoever those people are, that's just what they, what they think. And, and uh, I, I don't, I don't pay no mind into that really, man. I, I got too much to focus on and, and um, I'm very confident going into Saturday, and I, I feel good. My body feels good. I, I, I have the ability, the ability to become the interim. I'm sorry, to become the undisputed world champion. I, I know I do, and uh, I have a lot of years and of fighting left in me. So I just take this thing one one fight at a time. And Saturday, I get my hand raised, and we'll take the next step. Uh, is Dan Hooker on your level? We'll find out Saturday. He's 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 at the top level. You don't get a top five of the UFC by by mistake. Uh, has it changed your emotions or opinion of him heading in to see him kind of uncharacteristically jump in there and talk a little trash? Whether it's been fired at you or Gaethje or whoever, I've never heard Dan Hooker talk this much. What's been your reaction to that? You know, I, at this point in my career, he's doing what he's supposed to do. You know, he's trying to get some the media clicks and he's trying to put it out there. And, uh, you know, when guys do that, their, their name gets talked about. And, and uh, that's just the way the sport's been going. And that's just how it is nowadays. But, you know, I've been fighting for so long at the, at the highest level that that's just, uh, that's just background noise. I know what really matters is my preparation and my performance on Saturday night. Talk is cheap. Uh, look, you're obviously uh, focused on winning this fight with the whole goal of getting that championship, fulfilling your your potential and your destiny. Do you need to go through Habib 
to get the title to feel great, or does it? it could it be around anyone's waist when you get back there again? Yeah, it could be around anyone's waist. I don't hold grudges. Of course, I'd like I'd love to be the first guy to to beat Khabib, but uh, I don't hold grudges. This is business. Uh, I just want to be the undisputed world champion, man. What do you think is at, at uh, the prize for the winner outside of getting, uh, you know, in line? Because we're going to see Justin Gaethje go up and face Habib. And Connor's always lingering. Tony Ferguson, deservedly so, still around at the very top. Who would the winner of Saturday's fight with Dan Hooker likely get in your eyes? I think uh, Tony. Damn. I do. It don't get no easier at this level, Dustin. No, it doesn't, man. That's fighting. That's what it's about. Wow. All right. Uh, do you have that itch where where you want to run it back with McGregor? You know the financials. If you got that opportunity, is that something that you ever angle for these days? I'm really trying to be the undisputed world champion, man. But uh, we do fight for money. So if that was ever presented to me, I would take it, of course. Fair enough. Uh, what separates you and Hooker from the standpoint of X's and O's entering this fight? Um, I believe my uh, experience. I believe my crispness uh, in the pocket. I believe my intensity, my focus. A lot of things. The list goes on there. This is a uh, you know a, a new sort of uh, stretch for everyone going through the uh, quarantine, going through a lot of craziness in the world at this moment. Was this training camp any different for you than others you've experienced? Yeah, uh, coming out here, you know, coming out to Florida to start training camp, there wasn't as many bodies in the gym, but fortunately, there were there were still a lot of high level guys to get pushed with and uh to train with. So that was great. Having a big gym like American Top Team is always great because, you know, they make it happen. Whatever's available, whatever's by law, if they can put five people in a room, it is gonna be five of the greatest athletes that American Top Team has under their banner. So I got great work. All the coaches were there. And um it was just it's just weird times in general. Not not so much for the training. The training was great and normal. It's just weird times outside of that. So this camp was different, not being able to do the things I normally do with my daughter and stuff during during the training camp. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it's affecting everybody differently. We've all also seen a lot of big-name fighters take certain stances, whether it be uh, publicly over fighter pay. I haven't seen you historically get into stuff like that publicly. Is this a, a topic that's that's near and dear to your heart, or, or are you just focused on fighting? Where are you at in this? I'm just focused on fighting. I uh, I know how contracts work, and when I agree to something, I need to do my end. When it's time to renegotiate, time to resign a new contract or whatnot, then there's my time to, to talk business with the UFC, but I understand how contracts work, so I'm just going to keep punching, man. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, I want to give you a, a chance to shout you out for the great charity work you did. Uh, you've been doing, uh, you know, before and after your fights ahead of the fight with Habib, most recently donating a, a thousand meals during the pandemic. And, uh, and I, and I hear you got something cool going on fight night. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, we're, uh, trying to bring the community together a little bit in Lafayette, Louisiana. There's a local hamburger shop that, uh, first opened up by 
high school my wife and I went to, and uh, the guy started it, you know, from the from the ground up. He's a local guy, and he just moved into a bigger business, a bigger building and stuff right before the uh, pandemic really got crazy, and I'm sure he's taking a hit. So we decided to, since this is on ESPN and he has a, like a, a bar part of it, he's going to set up a projector, and we're going to pay from five to close for everybody's meal, uh, not, not including alcohol, of course, but we're going to pay for everybody's meal, give the people a reason to come out. I'm sure everyone's, you know, financially feeling this. So their meal will be taken care of. And also we're going to, it's going to boost a, a local small business in our community and uh, bring people together. That's cool. You know, in, in this crazy time, it'll, it'll bring people together with a common ground to, to, to talk about. So yeah. hopefully uh, everybody enjoys the fights. Everybody leaves with a full stomach. And uh, we hope, and and the business feels the impact a little bit. Hey, so much respect, man, for who you are as a as a person outside of the cage. Obviously, who you are as a fighter, but to do all this uh, extra stuff and use your platform is very inspiring. So I wish you a lot of luck this Saturday's fight against Dan Hooker. Can't wait, Dustin. Best of luck to you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, Rashad. Uh, look, he's always quiet, humble. Don't want to talk trash. Don't really want to say much. He wants to do the business inside the cage. So why don't we talk about this business inside the cage? The key theme from both of them seem to be they know that they're almost mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. When you look at the size, age, styles, strengths, what really separates these two, Rashad? I would say experience and the fact that Poirier has been on that level and he's been having his beard tested and he's winning those big fight situations, you know, against the Max Holidays, against Habibs, against the, um, the, the, the McGregor's and everything else like that. His journey along the path, all of that finding and discovering himself, he's already been there. You know, where Dan Hooker is just now starting to discover himself and just starting to start now just starting to, to see where he shines at. Dustin Poirier has, has figured that out. He's fallen, he's came back up, and now he's rising again. And I think that's the biggest difference. So Dustin Poirier is going to have to dig deep and, and, and find that within himself because he's going to go against a guy in, in Hooker who believes in himself. And it's a different kind of mindset when you're facing someone who's on the up and believing in himself versus being where Dustin Poirier, who's already have tasted it, who's been at the top, and now trying to stay there to have a rebirth to get another shot. So they're fighting from different positions, but from the same, but at the same time, um, this is a, a position where Dustin Poirier, he fights well from, but he has to come in here and he has to go out and fight as if he's been actively fighting. Because being out for so long and going against a guy like Khabib, and in that fight, we've seen him stifled, we've seen him frustrated, and you can have a bit of a hangover coming into your next fight, still having fresh memories of fresh feelings of that fight inside your mind. So he's going to have to go out and work extra hard in the beginning just so he does not get caught and swept off his feet by the momentum that Dan Hooker is coming into this fight with. Yeah, no question about it. I'll give Poirier a lot of credit, though. The key to this whole, uh, you know, new life at lightweight from his former days, I think has been the mental toughness. You know, he's figured out in a lot of ways, you know, I've interviewed him a lot during that stretch, you know, before the first Eddie Alvarez fight after the Gaethje fight. And the thing I've noticed Rashad is uh, he used to take the fight game more personally. We saw how much Connor lured him into a mental game and a trash talk war. And he used to, like a lot of fighters, you know, put a lot of pressure on himself and, and, and fight for perfection. And when it doesn't happen, you know, find that level of devastation. I feel like he's past all that. And obviously he has a lot to prove to us when he got, he got handled by Habib in the, in the highest yeah. moment 
of his career, the 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 mountaintop moment to find out if he has it. Um, that night against that man, he didn't have it. He didn't have it at all. So certainly he's got a lot to prove to us. But I give him that credit that uh, you know he's a he's a mature man, and this is going to be a tough ass fight. But I think the betting oddsman got it right. Our friends at William Hill has it minus two twenty seven favorite Poirier Hooker at a plus 175 underdog. It would make sense by the experience gap, as you mentioned, and a lot of different things. We do have a potential, though, to see five rounds of, of, of stand-up bliss, of, of technique, of high-speed chess, of, of come get it. Uh, do you think anything on the ground for either man will play a big factor in this fight? Um, I don't think it'll play a factor, but I do think that the ground is going to be something that uh, Hooker tries to utilize a little bit to try to jam up the position and try to uh, really frustrate, um, you know, uh, Dustin Poirier. But I also believe that, you know, when I look at this fight, I I look at, you know, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's a good comparison when you look at this fight because you have Max Holloway. He's very sharp with his striking, you know what I'm saying? And And he has that kind of uh volume striking you see hooker has a lot of volume striking too so that that's the kind of fight where i look and see and i look how the back and forth action in that fight and, I, and you look to see how um what made what made it so successful dustin poirier, poirier so successful in that fight was because he didn't allow max to finish last he made sure that whenever max started he was the last one finishing and he was the last one moving forward he's going to have to do the same thing uh, on another taller fighter with Dan Hooker, because when the fighter's taller, you have to finish last, so you end up in good position where they have to reset their position. So he has to finish last, but he has to be careful also because Dan Hooker has very good offense um, coming with long combinations, but up the middle too. You know, he got to watch the up the middle. Whenever a guy comes in and he starts off like Dustin Poirier, you got to watch that Dan Hooker, that knee that he caught um, Ross Pearson with up the middle. That is right there all the time, especially against a guy against uh, Dustin Poirier who kind of gets caught on that line sometimes going straight forward. Uh, Poirier will be facing three inches of height disadvantage and three inches of reach disadvantage. So that'll be interesting how that plays out. Uh, It's one of these things where this fight is, we talked about, not a crossroads fight for Poirier by any means. He's only 31. I know he started very young, but it's, if you told me ahead of time that this, plays out as a fairly even fight and then hooker just goes to the next level i would say okay i i could see that but they're so even and poirier still seems to have so much that i feel like this is a five round flip the coin we're gonna it's gonna be aggressive it's gonna be quick they're gonna have moments and then it's gonna be who do you like i really have that gun to my head feeling that hooker is a little bit better than the odds makers think he is and that poirier uh has enough to, to, to push this to the limit, but may not be enough to stop this man or to come over the top and really dictate the terms on that high level. Um, we're going to see leg kicks. We're going to see good boxing. We're going to see a lot of things. Which man, though, Rashad, will we see with his arm in the air at the end? You know, I big part of me is pulling for Dustin Poirier, and I feel like, you know, uh, the Dustin Poirier before Habib would have served – Dan Hooker all day. But I think after that fight, I mean, that fight and just, you know, not being active is not going to serve him any, anything uh, good in this fight, and especially against a Dan Hooker who's surging. You know, he's surging right now. Um, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not used to Dan Hooker fighting from this position, being the fact that he's not like, uh, you know, on some cars they, they have him as not, you know, the favorite, you know, and he's, and he's normally like an underdog guy and he normally fights well from that position. So I don't know how, how he fights from being the guy from the front, you know, and especially being a guy trash talking. So uh, the, 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 I, I'm gonna go with Hooker on this one. I'm gonna go with Hooker. I'm not gonna overthink, and I'm gonna go with Hooker. I just I like the activity in it. I'm not I'm not digging uh, the trash talking, but right now it's what he needs to do to get himself there. So I'll take it. But I, I think Hooker's gonna get this one. I'm I'm gonna lean on Dustin one more time. It's gonna be close, so it's gonna be a hard ass fight, and it's gonna be interesting. Both believe Rashad that Tony Ferguson would await them because both don't think. Uh, well, you know, uh, Hooker doesn't think he'll, he could get Connor because he just thinks it's too much risk for not as much reward. Um, Hooker also thinks there's a chance he could slip into the title picture just by staying by the phone, which we do know is always, you know, you, may, you get an impressive win. You just sit by that phone. You never know. Uh, do you think Ferguson makes sense for the winner of both of them? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that, um, you know, Ferguson would be the perfect fight for one of these guys, and uh, it would be a perfect next evolution to this fight because right now we're going to get a lot of hype from this fight and it's going to be a classic so you know you got to take the the winner from this classic and you got to put it into an exciting fight with tony ferguson now i don't want to jinx it by saying it's going to be the classic because oh, it, it could <laughs> come on but but i mean this 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 has all the trimmings for one of the best fights of the year you know a candidate for one of the best fights of the year just because of the style of both of these guys you know they don't they don't they don't leave anything left in the gas tank. So that with a guy like Tony Ferguson would just be a money fight. Would be. I love this division. I love this fight. Best fight of the summer. Sorry, D say and Stipe. Uh, this is the fight that I want to see. Can't wait. Uh, Rashad, pretty interesting card. I won't say this is a great card by any means. In fact, the more I look at it, the more I don't like it. But Rashad, <laughs> uh, is there anything jumping out at you? I mean, I'm interested to see John Volante make a heavyweight debut that's, against Green. Is that, that's it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I got it. I mean, I'm happy to see John do it again. I mean, I don't know how he does it. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 G finds a way to 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 stay in the UFC like no one else I've ever known. You know, he he loses and then. He wins just enough to keep that contract. But nevertheless, he's that guy you really can't count on against a guy in Maurice Green. Uh, this might be a good fight for him because, you know, we've seen him fight at 205 for a long time. But for the most part, he's always fought like a bigger guy. He's never quite fought like a 205 guy. He's, he's, um, he has a very – he can burn it out. He can go, but for the most part, he has a very economical style. He has a very heavyweight-ish style. So it'd be interesting to see what he can do against a guy in Maurice who is super long, super tall. It's all the same thing. <laughs> super long and super tall with, with his reach and everything. But um, just just uh, a guy who, who in himself uh, can hit another level. You know, watching Maurice and, and, and seeing him in his past fights, it almost seems like he, he, after every fight, he has a little bit of a frustration, like, dang, there's another level I just, I just didn't hit, but, I, but next time I'm going to hit it. And one of these times he's going to hit it, so maybe this is the fight. Maybe that's it. Uh, 
I like Violent Bob Ross getting a lightweight preliminary card close up here. Uh, Luis Pena against Kama Worthy. That should be an interesting one. Kama Worthy's been making some noise there, Rashad. Again, getting my attention a bit. Um, I don't really love anything else on here, though. Should I? Should I be looking at Brendan Allen against Kyle Dawkins at middleweight? I don't. No, no, I shouldn't be. Right. I mean, Brendan Allen, he's a, he's a contender series guy, so you always got to pay attention to contender series, contender series guys because they, they, they're surprising. These contender series guys, they're kind of like the ultimate fighter guys. You know what I'm saying? You got you to gotta keep an eye out for him. But he's, I mean, the, the guy that he's fighting, Kyle, you know, the, the, this, is, this is a win. Not a win. I can't say it. nothing's a win, but it's a good chance for him to show what he's got. Felipe Lenz, fresh off that loss to Arlovsky, coming back uh, quick against – some guy named Tanner Bozer. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, so maybe this card does blow. But these uh, top two fights, the televised ones on the ESPN this Saturday. We can't wait. Special thanks to Dan Elker, Dustin Poirier, and even our guy Mike Perry for stopping by and spicing it up just a little. Look forward to this fight this Saturday. Uh, Rashad, anything to share with the people? You want to sell anything? Maybe the, nah. the autobiography of your life? <laughs> I got to write it, man. But when I do it, I'm going to get you to interview it so I can cuss you out like Mike Perry did. <laughs> Follow us on State of Combat at Sugar Rashad Evans on the IG and Twitter at BC, I don't know, B Campbell, CBS, something like that. That's all good for now. We'll check you later. Uh, don't miss the uh, State of Combat boxing edition. We were back this week. I won't say with a bang, though, because boxing, what the hell are you doing? There ain't no fights. There ain't nothing worth watching right now, okay? Follow Uncle Dana's lead. He does know what he's doing right now. Please, okay? I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's no, do no, it. No, no, Bring it. it. I'm ready, Corona. Yeah. Okay. okay, enough of that. Okay, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Rashad, you got any words? Two words? I got two words, BC. We out.